Hey, welcome into the latest edition of Chalk Talk from the Denver Pioneers. As uh, finally, after a few weeks away, the dynamic talk show duo of Silomon and Pioneers women's head coach Dosha Woods is back in action. Dosha, it's so good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So good to see you. I like that we're dynamic. Like, Me that's too. definitely what we are. Very this dynamic. The, uh, you know, the the exchange of, of talk show vibes between the two of us. It's, you know, soon I we're like going to, as we've discussed every time, soon we're going to have like our own 30 minute, probably, you know, international phenomenon TV show. Exactly. Everybody tune in. It'd, it'd be streamed somewhere. Exactly. It's going to be amazing. Add, add it to your streaming fees. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk a bunch of Pioneers hoops today, but I have to start by asking you, I'm a, a Denver native. I'm born and raised, so it pains me to ask this question, but you are a maybe the biggest fan in this state of the two-time reigning AFC champion Kansas City football squad that we don't need to name here because we're Broncos fans. We're supposed to be. Um, but last night, your team played the most insane game like in recent history in the NFL playoffs, and then they were handed a win in overtime because of the coin toss and the NFL's overtime rules. But oh, oh, uh, <laughs> you're not going to get past me with the. You're not going to get the shade past me. You're not. So uh, I understand you might be a little upset being a Broncos fan as of recently as well. However, them the rules we don't make them. That's true. We don't make the rules. And the Broncos won a playoff game on those same rules like ten years ago, and it was in 2018. When Mahomes lost to Tom Brady, because you know right. you can't give him the ball first, but right. like, we don't have to go all the way back that far. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. But I have to ask you how you're doing today because last night there's 13 seconds left and the Bills scored, and everyone on the planet is thinking. Well, I think everybody was thinking like, is 13 seconds still too much time? Because we had seen like 12 touchdowns in the previous 90 seconds. Um, what was the mood like last night? You know. It was crazy because first when Tyreek Hill scored, I'm like, okay, we just got a minute. They just have to hold him. But I remember that 75-yard bomb that he threw. So I'm like, okay, the defense can't be trusted, especially with Matthew out. So uh, once it was 13 seconds on the clock, I, I am literally one, and my team will tell you that as long as there's time on the clock, you still have a chance. Like, I won't concede or celebrate until there's zero. So that was honestly what I was thinking at that time. I'm like, okay, 13 seconds, we'll see. And so after the first big play, I was like, is that easy? And, you know, that, that easy in a sense of, you know, we got the ball down the field in 13 seconds because you remember how the Cowboys game ended and it was just right. crazy how quickly we were able to move the ball, get set up, kick the field goal, tie it. And then I think both quarterbacks played so well. It was really going to be whoever got the ball first. I mean, yeah, that is true. That is definitely true. If the and unfortunately, the rules work that way because I think they both played great. That obviously you want to see more of a college setup where everybody has, you know, a, a equal chance because it's not. And and to, to have it at this point in the season too, it's, I'm sure it comes with an asterisk, but those are the rules. We don't make them. Absolutely. No, and you take advantage of them. Uh, I, I will say, I, it's probably not cool for me to admit this as a Broncos fan. I'd love Patrick Mahomes. Like he, and I know uh, with success comes distaste. Like everybody's going to end up hating him because he's so good and blah, blah, blah. But he's just like, He's such like a go like a goofy, likable guy. He's a terrible actor in those commercials, which makes me love him even more. Like he's just such a cheese ball. And I love like he over this the offseason, he's like watching other sports and tweeting about him. It reminds me of you. You watch every sport under the sun, uh, and you're invested in all of them. I, I see that in Patrick Mahomes too. He's so easy to like to like and cheer for. Yes, but definitely should stick to should stick to his day job of yeah throwing the football when, the, when you talk about the commercials but yeah, yeah he's no, not gonna be the next uh action movie star yeah and you know some of that comes with the territory too when you are 
Um, you know, this is the fourth straight AFC championship that the Chiefs are hosting that, you know, people don't like as much as they want to be a part of greatness. They really don't right. like greatness too. Right. So that's something that people have to try to rectify against. It's like, I, I want it, but I don't. Like, why do you have to keep winning? That is a very Who's training weird, to lose. Exactly. That is a very weird thing about sports fans and and the the fickle nature of being a sports fan is you like, you know, I I am old enough to remember as are you as is Nico Blankenship when the 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 Patriots won their first Super Bowl and they knocked off the Rams. That was the greatest story ever because they had this unknown quarterback coming in the middle of the season and everybody loved seeing an underdog. And then 10 years later, everybody hated him. Um, right. So, exactly. you know, it'll probably be that way with, uh, with Casey before too long. Um, but congrats to you. Um, I'm sure on championship game Sunday, I'll probably be able to hear you yelling from your house at my house. I think we live like 20 miles apart, yes. but uh, I'm excited. Highly for likely. <laughs> No, I, I feel I was just telling this to uh, uh, Shane earlier. I ran into him. I think watching the Chiefs because I don't really know that much about football, but it's it just really gives me a chance to just be a fan and not have to right. feel like you know when I watch other basketball games, I'm trying to you know why why didn't they switch their zone or why don't they do this and I can just watch it like mindlessly and been able to sit through in high school all the times with Schottenheimer where we made it to the playoffs and didn't win a game. Yeah. I feel like those of us who are old enough now like. We also have earned this too as fans. So that's true. Yes. That is true. I uh, I do remember the the ninety seven divisional round game in Arrowhead for the Broncos. Um, all right, Dosha, <laughs> let's talk some hoops. Let's talk about your team today uh, as the Pioneers uh, move along into Summit League play. Uh, it has been such a strange start to the Summit League season uh, in terms of postponements and reschedulings and changes uh, on the calendar and all of that. Um, your team started with some tough luck. You ended up opening play with four straight road games. Uh, in Summit League play, and your losses were all by single digits, six, eight, six, five. Um, you kind of are in a mindset now, as we all are in 2022, of you got to play the cards you get dealt. And if you get dealt four single-digit losses on the road to start conference play, it's not fun, but you also get to learn from those, and you have them behind you now. Tell me what you think that stretch uh, did for your team to kind of teach some lessons through all that uh, that early conference season adversity. I think just that part, the lessons, you know, obviously it was frustrating and, and to be so close, we, we had been talking about, you know, basketball is a game of possessions, one or two possessions here, three possessions there. And you can kind of go back through the games where um, maybe we gave up offensive rebound here or, uh, you know, two people were in one play and the three people were in another play, all these little possessions. I think it just really gave us a chance to talk about how important every possession is. And, and you know, as much as, as fans, you wanted to come down to, oh, the last possession, last minute of the game as coaches, it's, it's the buildup to that, right? It's, it's the first quarter when we are either, um, you know, again, out of a timeout or, um, you know, a, a miscommunication here. So, a lot of lessons. And like I told the team, I'm not one um, to, to really make excuses. And we do have the opportunity to play. Um, and so we tried to just focus on that part. And, you know, in some ways, it's almost like you would you rather a close game or you would rather blow out. But I do feel like the progress that we've been able to make um, in, in different areas, obviously not consistently and not the same people. Um, but I think the lesson that we were able to learn is just how important the possessions are uh, to be able to be in these games and compete despite, um, you know, some of the circumstances. And like I told them, everybody's dealing with the pandemic. We're not special. You know, it's not like it's just affecting us, um, but really trying to focus on our mindset and how we want to then tackle it and not just sit in, you know, cry over spilled milk in a sense. When you are in a circumstance where, I mean, the, the Summit League is so talented top to bottom, 
and uh, you get a, a tough stretch on the road to start things off. You come home, and then all of a sudden, you're right back on the road for another tough uh, contest to kick off a, a trip going to Omaha on the 20th, um, a few days ago now. We're recording this on the 24th. Um, I would imagine you find yourself in a spot where, you know, your team can feel sorry for themselves. They can be down at the halfway point of the season, and instead, they go on the road, get a road win over an Omaha team in Baxter Arena uh, in which you showed a lot of fight in that game. You come away with a nine-point victory. Winning on the road is difficult regardless, but to win on a road after a difficult stretch, I feel like tells a story about your team that is a lot of positivity. What did you like most in that Omaha game? You know, I've talked about, you know, this team just having resilience, you know, all year. And, and as we talked about, it's almost like you were in the locker room uh, for my pregame speech, because that's exactly what we talked about is, you know, we're, we're, we started out conference 0-8 and people are going to expect us to come in and just kind of hang our head and quit. And, and the beauty of sport is, you know, you can start over each game, right? Each game is the next game. The, ne the most important game is the next game. And we just talked about the type of team that we wanted to be, um, what people's expectations were. Um, just assuming that we're going to feel sorry for ourselves and this is going to be seven games in 14 days or we can dig, you know, we can dig. We knew we had to buy, we can coming up and to really, you know, put together some of those little possessions that, you know, we still had some miscommunications, but we made enough plays um, both sides of the ball to make up for that. But that was really the pregame speeches. You know, a lot of people in a situation, it, it would be easy to fold and quit. You're on the road and you can start have these laundry lists, lists of excuses. But as I tell them, excuses don't get stops. Excuses doesn't score baskets. Um, and we still have games to play. So so let's show up and, and try to see what we can do one possession at a time. And, you know, I think, you know, in the Omaha game, obviously, uh, taken to heart. And, and I think you saw, you know, Uju, um, you know, Tess come alive, even um, Indy, Anna, you know, make the ball. We made some tweaks offensively and that showed that game as well. So I was proud of just the resili resilience we were able to show. And again, trying to teach them that, you know, excuses, um, excuses are for the faint and, and however hard it is, quitting is never an option for us. Uh, you mentioned Uju and her game against Omaha. I pulled up the box score because I want to get the full line. She had 28 points, 17 rebounds. The first pioneer in history to score 28 points while pulling down as many as 17 rebounds. Three assists, a block, three steals. She was 10 of 16 from the floor. She got to the free throw line 11 times. She went seven for 11. And her numbers throughout this season, she is leading the country in free throw attempts. She's second in the country in free throws made. Uh, she's first in the Summit League in double-doubles. She's first in the Summit League in rebounding. She's all over the leaderboards everywhere. Um, when you think back to when you first saw her as a member of your squad, um, from last season to this season, what are the biggest steps in her growth that have enabled her to be what she's turned into this year? You know, with Juice, and, and I'm going to be uh, honest, and I hadn't, you know, I've said this to her um, uh, individually and in front of the team, and I've said it multiple times, as we start our own recruiting process, she isn't the ideal type of player that I envisioned for the system. And what I respect about just her game and what she's able to bring is just her motor, right? We, we like a five out where there's space to drive. And oftentimes, you know, if it's a bigger post owner, she has the speed to get around. Um, Got to work on you know, the passing, cleaning up some of that part. Um, but I think with her is just her motor to be able to, to have the space. Obviously she has a spin move that she really doesn't ever work on, but it's only like a game time spin move, which is weird because we try to work on it one day and we're like, okay, never mind. But let, let, let's just 
just do what you do. Um, but it, I think for just the space and, and her ability to get to the basket, and then she's so strong to handle contact, not once, not twice, um, whether it's to be able to finish through contact or get to the free throw line. Um, but I, I think most in terms of her motor in our space gives her ability to attack the basket, oftentimes smaller or slower post players off the dribble. And, you know, in, in the off season, we've talked about adding a little bit more consistent um, outside shots. She made it, she made a three in an Omaha game. It's something that she can do, um, but really want to make that part of her package next year. Uh, Anna Jackson, who is one of our Trans-America Student Athletes of the Month for January. Uh, Anna, on uh, on that matchup against the, the Mavericks, got five uh, in the, the bottom of the bucket from three-point range. And I know that it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride with her. She set a program record earlier on this season for threes in a single game. To be able to kind of get her back on track, how much does that help with the flow of your offense when she's clicking? And I would imagine just to see that for her mental state of, okay, you still got it. You're still there. How much did that help last time out? Uh, absolutely. And, and I remember texting her after the game and just, again, some of the tweaks uh, that you know, Coach Dubs is our offensive coordinator, especially with, with our motion. And we tweaked some things going into Omaha. So it gave us more space and it gave her a chance. Uh, you know, honestly, the previous games, Juice was drawing two, three double teams and uh, made some tweaks that there's more space. So it's harder to double. And, and that's where they had to make a decision. Are you going to go double or you can leave Anna open or leave Tess open because she hit some shots as well. So, uh, but for Anna specifically, it was nice to see her just see the ball go in. Uh, she'd been working on getting some shots in, but you know how it is until you can actually feel it and see it in a game. Uh, then you can kind of build that confidence back up. And again, as I told her, you shoot until I tell you not to, and I haven't told you not to. Uh, this stretch of the season for your team, you get two more road games right after that Omaha win. You go to Kansas City and then to Oral Roberts. I was listening to uh, a Summit League podcast earlier today, and uh, the guys are in Minnesota, and they were talking about the reschedulings and all that. And they said, normally in the Summit League, you know, travel isn't really that big of an issue. And I was like, well, this is obviously a, a group that is recording it from right. the center of the Summit League, because for Denver, that's right. not the case. Travel is always an issue. Right. Um, there are no close trips. There's no let's hop in the bus, go two hours, and we'll play a game. This stretch where you play three straight on the road and you're kind of back and forth to the same region, you go to Omaha, you go to Kansas City, you go to Oral Roberts. How do you manage this stretch of obviously the travel first off coming back, um, you know, resting for a couple of days, then heading out again? How do you structure that with practice and everything? Uh, and secondly, at this stage of the year to be able to go on the road and just focus on basketball is that somewhat of an asset for your team, especially coming off the win at Omaha, where it's back to Kansas City on Thursday and it's all right, lock in. We're not at home. We don't we're not worrying about being in the classroom, uh, you know, in a physical sense. We can focus on this game. That's the work in front of us. You know, uh, good question. I think in, in terms of just practice of that structure, uh, we typically take Sundays off and then Mondays is a little pretty much call an active recovery day. We've we've honestly switched to a lot more skill work, um, small group skill work. Um, we'll do kind of a, a full court, you know, running drill, if you will, but we do a lot of just half court, uh, trying to tweak, working on timing, different combinations together. Um, Tuesdays, we'll usually start prepping for the other team, um, whether it's a, a man team or a zone team, or if there's certain actions. And then Wednesday, we'll review all of those things so we're either traveling or um, if we're at home, we can get up a lot more shots. And, and, and in terms of being on the road, I think it does give us a little bit different type of focus um, just in class. Um, but I always say, you know, as a team, we had a three, five this last term. So uh, academically, it's something that they they also take a lot of pride in. So we will have study hall on the road and try to carve out some time that they can kind of have that, you know, to, to study or attend a class if, if possible. 
um, and, and then kind of have our, you know, kind of walk through on Friday, then obviously planning it on, planning it on Saturday, but we've, we've shifted to a lot more just kind of small group individual work, um, trying to just work on either your footwork or your ball handling passing, um, more simple things like that, just because, you know, in, in us, we don't, we don't have a ton of bodies either. You mentioned all the adversity um, before, whether it's uh, playing, you know, seven games in 14 days and, um, obviously dealing with the pandemic and then just having limited numbers um, and, and bodies. And unfortunately we're down to nine now um, after the weekend. So a lot of it is just uh, me and, and, and the staff just managing ways to continue moving forward, but in what ways that it makes sense. And it looks like now it's gonna just be a lot more individual skill work. You get Kansas City on Thursday uh, to travel to the Swinney Center and be able to come away with a win. What are the biggest things that you want to take out of that Omaha game last time out and the biggest keys against the Ruse going forward that you want to see next game? You know, I think to continue to build on, on the tweaks that we did offensively, um, just keeping our spacing and, and it looks a little bit more similar to, to last year as opposed to some tweaks we tried for this year. Um, so our spacing, and, and though we are limited, as I tell them, I'm, I'm trying to manage them in practice so we can be able to actually run in a game, and, and that's part of our offense as well. Um, I think defensively, we, we did a much better job in the Omaha game, been able to switch things up, and, and the communication was a huge key to that. So we want to continue to build on that part. Um, and then we finally out-rebounded somebody. I had to look at the stats like two or three times. Like, Wait a this- minute. Right. Is this us? Are these, did they flip? So to really just be able to build on some of those things. And I think for our team, again, obviously you want to, you feel like you're working hard and you want to, you want to, you want it to show up in the right ways, right? You want it to show up in terms of those wins and losses. And um, as I told him, just because we've lost doesn't mean that we haven't made progress, but I know it's definitely given us some confidence to go in that, okay, all isn't broken. Um, you know, things that we were watching before when we do really focus and clean it up um, that, that we have a chance to be successful, but offensively really keeping our spacing and getting back to sharing the ball uh, more of an inside outside game and a uh, juice not feeling like she has to do so much and defensively been able to communicate, switch things up and continue to try to clean up the boards. That is Pioneer Head Basketball Coach Dosha Woods. It's the Dosha and Tyler show. Uh, As you grow into adulthood and you cheer for sporting events and teams and all of that, you get to the point where you're like, well, if I don't want to see this team win, at least I can be happy for this person. So if Kansas City wins on Sunday, I'll be thrilled for you. Uh, The head coach on the other side, Zach Taylor for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the quarterback at the University of Nebraska when I was in college there. So that's my cheering interest. But it also makes me feel extraordinarily old that a guy who I was in college with is an NFL head coach now. I'm like, no, we're supposed to be like two minutes out of college. How did that Yeah, two minutes. Well, you look like you're two minutes out of college. So if that counts. Yeah. You know, you know, you look young. I'm covering up with the hats. Not a day over 25. You look young. Not, not even a day, not a day. No, I would out. also say though, too, with the Chiefs, there's actually quite a few of us Summer League coaches who are huge Chiefs fans. So, oh, interesting. Um, you know, obviously JC being in Kansas City and, and she's from Kansas, so she really doesn't have a choice. Um, and then JD at Western and Jory at uh, North Dakota State. And so JD actually texts me because it's everybody's like, is everybody breathing? Are you guys all right? But yeah, we all are kind of uh, uh, diehard. I know the four of us for sure. I don't know everybody else, but the four of us definitely get into the game so it's a summit league emotional support group during the nfl playoffs (laughs) among head coaches that is pretty cool all right well i'll be thrilled for you on sunday if you get a chance to be happy with your team even though our team is garbage here hey but if you Uh, hire i mean i'm not saying i'm cheering for the broncos but if you get uh eric our offensive talk about a rivalry reignited yeah it would be 
I would throw some uh, some spice on the fire. I'd be I'd be into that. Sounds sounds pretty fun. Doja Woods, Pioneers head basketball coach, coming up on Thursday, Denver in Kansas City. That is a five o'clock tip time in Kansas City, Missouri, and then Saturday at Oral Roberts, one o'clock Mountain time for that one. And uh, Doja, we'll see you down there, I'm sure, at some point this week. And uh, best of luck on the road at KC and ORU. All right, thank you, Tyler. Go Pios. Go Pios. Talk to you next time on Chalk Talk from the Denver Pioneers.